Welcome back to the Black Belter Podcast. You're listening to episode 48. Today I'm joined by Danny Nealon. And Danny's sporting background actually began in horse racing and show jumping. At 25, she decided to pack that in and start MMA and hasn't looked back since. Danny currently trains out of SPG Ireland. As an amateur, she won an IMAF World Silver Medal in 2017. Since turning pro in September 2019, she has signed to Bellator and gone 2-0. Today I chat to Danny about her background in horse racing, how she got involved in MMA, balancing work and training, and more. Like always, make sure to like, share, and subscribe on whatever platform you listen on, and hope you enjoy. Alright, so what's up Danny, how are you? Hey, how are you getting on? All good. good not too bad. Good. Thanks many for coming on, really appreciate it. What's it? Uh, she was saying, are you back trends? Are you, are you expecting to get a... Yeah, um, so we're supposed to have a fight coming up uh, soon um, for Bellator, but uh, at the moment I'm not able to uh, announce it. But yeah, there's supposed to be something coming up really shortly in, in the pipeline. So uh, I think they're just working out the ins and outs of it and it'll be announced hopefully in, in the next few days. Yeah, nice. Is it going to be behind the behind closed doors uh, event? Yeah, I I presume so. Anyway, we haven't got given a lot of information, but from what I see, anyway, I think everything's behind closed doors. So, um, that's what I'm expecting. You know, there's been no mention of tickets, so that I guess that's kind of the answer. Yeah, how would you expect that to be? Is it, you know, no crowd fighting in front of no crowd. I guess I'll just repeat what everyone else has been saying to, to this answer, which is uh, to this question, which is it's just like sparring in the gym. Yeah. Um, no, no crowd, uh, quiet arena. Like it'll be the exact same as uh, sparring in the gym, really. So uh, I don't, I don't mind either way. It's obviously great to walk out in the three arena to a packed crowd, um, you know, and you get a buzz off it. But at the end of the day, you know, a fight's a fight, and if we get a fight for a club behind closed doors I'll be just as happy um, as if I was in the three arena anyway you know so yeah. it'll be grand yeah great to just get a fight in I suppose like all that training and with for a while but there was nothing really inside when you get to fight again so to just compete it'll be something yeah absolutely like I guess we were all worrying that the end of the year would just run out and it would end up being 2021 and you know there's still like quite a lot of uncertainty with um mass gatherings like in, in indoors so if I get this fight in now I'll be you know delighted you know that would close off I'd say 2020 for me and then hopefully next year things will be changing a bit with everything yeah how many fights did you expect to get in this year because I know you had one early in the year as well like how many did you expect to get in um well on my contract I, I'm generally just put both to fight in Ireland, you know, that that's, they want to keep Irish fighters on Irish soil. So I knew there was February and um, October was the plans. So I was expecting to get them two fights in and then they will let you out of your contract to take another fight if you can get one. Um, I haven't found it that easy to get a, a fight out of contract because you're not able to sign another contract with another promotion. So, you know, I was hopeful I'd get three fights, but, you know, knew I was definitely getting two. So, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to complain in the current climate if I get a second fight in this year. I think I've, I've done better than most people. Um, a good few people missed February uh, with injuries and stuff and different things. So, you know, they're kind of harder pushed or, you know, they're like under a bit more pressure to want to get another fight. 
for the end of the year. Yeah. So, yeah. so you're kind of, I suppose, close, close enough to being on track this year, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I actually was injured myself for the February fight. Uh, I tore my groin um, about, I think, six weeks out or something. And it was nice whether I was going to fight two weeks out, even from the fight. I still hadn't done any contact. So um, I ended up just going ahead and doing it. And I'm, I'm so happy now because... We were locked down the following week and um, I would have been raging like if I hadn't talked that um, and then not knowing what was going on. So, uh, yeah, that worked out well. Yeah, the risk paid off, I suppose, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, so, like, just take it back. Like, What's your kind of sporting background? Like, How did you get into martial arts? Were you, were you a sport, a sporting kid growing up or, or what? Um, yeah, I... I'm a bit different to most people that go into martial arts. I uh, didn't start till I was 25. Um, so I grew up, I spent years uh, riding horses and I actually um, worked in the Curra for a few years in the racing industry. Um, I rode in a couple of races. I did lots of cross country and owned my own horses and competed kind of all things cross country um, in that side of things. And then when I was... 24 of that I um, decided I wanted a clean break from the horses I was totally fatigued from it all I'd been riding since I was really small and uh, it was all I knew really so I said right clean break I'm going to sell up everything and I'm going to quit my job in the yard uh, in the meantime I'd done a degree uh, in physiotherapy so I had options like to, to get a physio job then as well so um, it was easy enough for me to, to make the clean break. Um, and I guess I was qualifying the same year as I decided I was packing in the horses. So um, that year, I uh, I just, I wanted to try something new. And I was chatting to a guy on Tinder and uh, he was explaining that he was a fighter with MMA. And I didn't know anything about MMA or martial arts or Conor McGregor, anything, and uh, he was telling me all about it, and I just thought, God, I'd really like that. Um, it sounds really competitive, like the horses were as well. Um, and I'm strong and I'm fit, uh, and I wouldn't have, you know, to, the horse to contend with, or politics, or money, and all that comes along with the, the horse industry. So um, I just said I'd join a gym. So I think like a week later, I joined uh, Rosaria in Nate and did like two hours there that night and loved it, uh, thought I was great and uh, started looking up Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey and all the likes. And um, that was kind of it that that year, um, I think it was 2015, I quit horses, I qualified as a physio, I started martial arts. I moved to Vancouver in Canada for seven months and trained out there. I went to my first Conor McGregor fight. I met John Kavanagh at um, a pool party after the fight. So that whole year was like really, really big change for me. Um, and then it just kind of skyrocketed after that. Like I just put my head down and trained twice a day, every day, and just kept learning. Yeah, so it's quite a big change like from, from horses to... To fighting yeah massive like well do you know it isn't it isn't like there's definitely similarities in you have to cut weight for both 
Um, you have to work really hard at both. You have to be strong and fit. Um, you know, I work every hour in the sun for the horses. So going in and training twice a day didn't seem that difficult. Uh, and I was quite resilient, uh, you know, to training because of spending years like on the slog, on the car, out in the rain and wind. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a nice change. Like it definitely freshened me up taking on this new challenge um, and, and leaving the horses behind me. And it's a decision I'm really happy I made now. Like I'm, I never go back. Uh, I haven't sat on a horse since. So that was the end of that. Yeah. And did you, like you said, when you, you went your first night to, to the MMA gym, did you know you were going to have, did you think then, like even though I know you said you loved it, but did you think you were going to have a pro career from it? Yeah. You knew straight away. <laughs> Yeah, I guess my mom always said I was a bit of a dreamer. So, um, you know, I spent like all all my childhood knowing I was going to do something good. Uh, I didn't really know what it was going to be, but I, I tried to get um, veterinary in my leave insert and I fell short and I got like 550 points. So I was a high achiever academically and then I wanted to be a jockey and a, a, you know a really good female jockey and I just kind of felt sure of that too so I already had two really big ambitions in my life that I wanted to achieve and I just just fell short and when I got off the mats that night I remember thinking like this isn't as hard as you think um I think I have to be better than loads of other girls already so I said, right, I'm, I can work really hard at this and I could definitely be world champion. Um, I, yeah, I was definitely probably, you know, over ambitious at the start. And then I got my arse handed to me for a few years and I calmed down a bit with that, you know. But yeah, I always believed I was going to be a pro and believed I was going to be a world champion. And I still think I am. Yeah, I suppose that's the attitude you kind of have to have really, isn't it? Yeah, well... Like for me, martial arts isn't like, I guess, you know, the, the way of life or the, you know, the live, the, I don't know, the jiu-jitsu lifestyle or whatever. It's not really like that for me. It's very much competitive. Um, so a lot of people do martial arts. Like now it definitely helped my mental health, don't get me wrong. And I met lots of nice people. You know, the horse racing industry was quite cutthroat. So I enjoyed being around nice people and it kept my mind busy. So it was good for my mental health. But for me, doing martial arts was always going to be a competitive, um, you know, journey. It wasn't, I wasn't doing it for the crack. I don't really do anything for the crack. And when I finish, I don't think I'll, you know, spend my life on the mats trying to become a black belt or something. Or, you know, I, I very much, I'm doing this to be a fighter, you know? Yeah. That's what, like, I kind of, like, personally, I kind of, like, because I've always been competitive as a kid, like, all the way through Taekwondo and anything like that, and um, I do sometimes struggle, like, I don't think I could, like, like you, be someone who just, just turns up with, and just trains for, just to train, it's like, you do need to have a goal to, to, to push towards. Yeah, it makes it, it's just a totally different mindset, isn't it, like, you know, and I bet, like, if you were in a fitness gym, you'd be probably trying to run faster than the guy beside you as well. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, it's all, everything's a competition. <laughs> so it's, it's the personality, really, isn't it? Um, 
you know, and it's, that's what every, everything in life. Yeah. So right. You're trying to beat someone. That's it. And they, they don't even have to know you're trying to beat just in your head nearly sometimes, you know, it's like they could just be doing their thing, but you're doing yours though, trying to do it quicker than them. <laughs> yeah, you're eyeballing them up and they don't even know what you're at. <laughs> yeah. So like when, when you started, was there a certain element of MMA that you kind of took to more so than the others? Like was it jiu-jitsu, wrestling, striking? Was there something you took to more so than everything else? Well, I guess all my coaches from the start said that like I was made to wrestle because I was so strong. Um, like I guess that was the biggest thing I got from the horses was my strength from riding out and from wheelbarrows and buckets of water and carrying and lifting my whole life. I was I found wrestling, you know, pretty straightforward and could, you know, maul people around the place. But I I wasn't convinced myself that's what I wanted, though I, I wanted to be a striker. Um I didn't like getting submitted. It irritated me. Um so I spent maybe the first two years really working on my striking and determined that every fight I went into, I wasn't going to wrestle. Even though uh, John Kavanagh kept telling me, you know, you are going to wrestle, your wrestling is your strongest point, you're going to take people down. And I, I full point blank told him, no, I wasn't, that I was going to strike. And I didn't care what he wanted. I was going to be a striker. So, um, yeah, I, I took to wrestling easy. Loved striking though, loved hitting people, thought that was great. And now as a pro, I suppose after my IMAFs, where I really did wrestle, you know, I wanted to win so badly, I took them all down after all of my talk. And um, that kind of cemented me uh, as as a wrestler going forward. So even now, it's still my strong point uh, is my wrestling. Yeah, well, that's something that I suppose that's even a little bit different as well. Is that you see some people like when they maybe start or they get involved, they want to like they want to just stick to their strengths and they don't want to push towards maybe the areas they're weaker in. But you kind of went the opposite way. You kind of nearly wanted to avoid what you were good at and go into what you were weaker at. Yeah, and it wasn't that I had that that mindset that oh I need to get better at striking. It was that I just I just really liked fighting and there's no you know I guess. Jiu-jitsu matches aren't fights. Um, wrestling competitions aren't fights, but uh, kickboxing is a fight. So I I liked just I felt exhilarated and felt like a fighter when I was hitting people. Uh, so that's kind of more why I, I radiated over there. To be honest, I probably should have spent a lot more time doing jiu-jitsu. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I definitely like I I had a scowl on my face most nights wearing the gi um, but got on with it and got what I had to out of it yeah so then like how did you come from training like when you first started to then going to SBG how did that kind of come about I know you said you met John Kavanagh in, in Las Vegas like was that kind of where it started to how you start, got to SBG yeah so um, when I started with Aria January um, 2015 and then I went to uh, America in June that year, just after graduating. And um, my myself, my brother, we went like on a trip around America. And um, that's where I met John at the pool party um, after I think it was Connor versus Mendes. And um, anyway, after that, 
trip um, when we were in Vegas, I said to my brother, like, I really don't want to go home back to Ireland. Like, I'd rather stay with you because he was living in Canada at the moment. So um, I just didn't go home from the holiday. I flew to Canada with him uh, after the fight and got a visa and stayed there for seven months and trained in a gym over there at Checkmat in Vancouver. Uh, we did loads and loads of wrestling. Like, you know, it's kind of their bread and butter over there. And I loved it. Um, you know, they thought I was an Irish fighter. Sure, I'd only been training five months and I didn't tell them any different. And they let me on the MMA team straight away. Um, and I was just going for it pretty much for that seven months. I learned loads. I competed in jiu-jitsu. That were my first competitions. And then I guess after six months I really got homesick and wanted to come home and before I went uh, to America in the first place I was already kind of in a you know crossroads of my life I was a bit down about everything that went on with the horses and you know I I was you know finding things difficult and had a low mood and stuff so when I went to Canada I kind of brushed under the carpet for a few months and then I just really got homesick and said, oh, I really need to sort my shit out and go home and get a job and all that kind of stuff. So um, as well, in that time I was in Canada, I was stuck to Facebook and Instagram and I could see everything that was going on in SPG all the time and that Irish MMA was exploding in Dublin and I was in Canada. So um, I was determined, right, go home, get a job in Dublin and join SPG. So we flew home on Stephen's Day. And I think on the 10th of January, I had joined SPG and went back right now for a month or two because I needed to, while I was getting the physio job, got a physio job in March in Dublin, and moved to, moved to Dublin, um, worked as a physio, uh, near Phoenix Park and trained twice a day um, and then within six months I was on the, the team so I got on the team around June and had some K1 fights and I was just in my element like you know I, I just I kind of imagined myself when I was in Canada going home moving to SPG and training under John and within six months like it was a reality you know it was just really surreal like it was you know a very exciting time for me yeah. And had, did John remember you from the pool party when you turned up to SPG? No, that was, um, you know, a good a good thing, though. I think <laughs> he didn't remember. But, um, you know, fast forward two years from that, um, we, were at, we were the night before the World Championships in Bahrain. Um, my brother said it to him. Um, told him, do you know that he met you and sent him the picture? Um, so he did, like, he has the picture of me and John from, from the pool party, a lot fatter version of me. So it was not a great picture. But um, anyway, John publicised it then that night and said that tomorrow I'm going to make the walk with uh, Danny. And she was one of the few people that met me previously and said that fighter and she was going to be on my team and he said she's actually the only person that ever did that that said it and actually did it the people say it all the time but they don't follow through 
yeah he's getting it all the time like he often shares John, he's often sharing them on Twitter or Instagram like the pictures or, of, the, of the DMs and stuff like of people saying they're going to try him with him and that. so <laughs> to actually do it is kind of cool yeah and I'm glad World Championships because then it just it was all the sweeter like you know if I said that to him the first day I met him he'd be like this one yeah yeah the, yeah. Fact, yeah. the fact you didn't say it yeah that makes it even better yeah yeah so like I know you said when you started straight away you wanted to be competitive and it was it's always it's been a competitive aspect like um pursuit for you like how long did you wait to compete in your first fight from when you started training I think I had my first kickboxing fight for SPG in April um I competed in jiu-jitsu the year the first year I joined or started martial arts I competed in jiu-jitsu in Canada and then I got back to Ireland yeah, I think it was April. I had um, like a tournament style novice fight. And then two weeks later, I fought a girl up north on a proper show straight after. Um, she had a pull out and I, I fit in and I won that kickboxing fight against a girl with a big enough record. Um, I think I had one or two more kickboxing fights after that. And I did like an MMA tournament in Cork. And then... From there, I think it was that November of that year, 2016, was it? Maybe, maybe it was the following year. I No, yeah, that was 2016, that year. Um, that November, I went to the IMAFs, uh, to the Europeans, and that was uh, my first ever amateur MMA fight. Uh, a, big, a, big, uh, a big enough stage, I suppose, to be starting the European Championships. Yeah, yeah, like... Um, that year, uh, Franz, Malambo and Sinead, uh, I'm pretty sure it was that year. I'm not sure. I think they won. They were in Vegas that year and they, they were winning medals at an IMAF. Um, or maybe it was the year before. And I remember seeing all the other fighters doing these IMAFs. And I think I messaged John in August saying... Um, can I go in November? Like I haven't fought, but you know I was just on the team at that point, and he's like, "Yeah, sure, enter away." So the plan was to try and get a fight before I went, but it was really hard at the time to uh, get any fights in Ireland, and there was none available in the UK. So I ended up just going straight off the bat over to Prague, and um, the first fight I ever had, I lost within a minute. I got submitted straight away, um, and the girl that fought me she um won the tournament and actually went round um at the world championships she got bronze and i got silver so um she was you know quite a competitive girl i think i was better than getting submitted straight away i think i was better than it showed like i think the competitor was pretty good and it gave me a rude awakening um so that was heartbreak and spent the week in Prague looking at everyone else competing and I was absolutely raging and uh, came home and was determined that that wasn't going to happen again and that I should have won. You know, I kept saying to myself, I could have won the gold medal. Like, you know, I thought the competition wasn't great over there. But anyway, that fueled me and from that fight, um, I got a fight the March the following year and I fought a Polish girl uh, in England and uh, we had a war. I got like my skull 
totally deformed from it and everything. It was a, it was a really um, tough striking fight. And uh, I lost that fight in the decision. So I lost my first two fights. And she went on to be the AFC world champion. And she's a, a pro with, I don't know, she's like seven and one or something at the moment. So she's actually quite legit as well. Um, I felt I won that fight. I was a bit pissed off with that too. So two losses down for two proper girls. And then from then on, I went on a streak. So I won six fights in a row after that. Yeah, and that was part of the the IMAF was it would have been IMAF World Championships would have been included in that as well, would it? Yeah. Yeah. So I got two fights before the or I got one or two fights. Let me think. I fought two girls, yeah, Megan Morris, I bet her a few months later. Then Becky Ains fought her in Cage Warriors and won that. Then went to the IMAFs, won three fights in a row and then lost in the World Championships. So that was five fight winning streak. Then had the loss you know, at the IMAFs and then had one more amateur fight after that in the UK the following year and won that as well. Yeah. So how did you find the, the IMAF kind of style where having, having, was it four fights in just as many days? How did you find that set up? You know, it was tough. Like, um, there's, I don't think there's anything tougher I'll ever have to do. Like, I remember when I was coming home on the plane saying, never do another IMAF again. <laughs> That's it. Like, I, next time I fight, I'll be pro and I would only have to fight one person in any fight camp. It was really, really tough. Um, it was totally emotionally draining because you're walking around the hotel with all these competitors and you're trying to concentrate on this one person that you're fighting the next day. Um, and then once you've beaten them, you have to forget about them really quickly, but you can't because they're still in the bloody hotel walking around. And then you're looking at the next one um, and you're trying to come up with a game plan overnight to fight them. Um, and, you know, you don't have time to adapt. You're as good as you are. And whoever the butt in front of you are, you just have to keep eating them. Uh, on top of that, then, I took loads of damage over the days. You know, my fighting style has always been aggressive. And I, I took a batter and uh, I got my head split open in the semifinals. And I had like 24 stitches or something in my face for the final. Um, so I was literally like, hanging upside down in a bucket of ice at night and trying to recover and cut weight um, while knowing I had to show up the next day and fight. So it was really, really hard. Um, I don't use that as an excuse for not winning, though. I should have bet the girl in the final. I gave her too much respect and uh, very disappointed in myself that I didn't just fight her. I gave her, uh, I, I gave her too much respect. In my opinion, yeah. Are you still are you still disappointed with the silver? Or looking back now, do you see it has been a, a good achievement? That, like you still got you got as many fights as you could have had that week. Yeah. Um, look, it would have been great to be a world champion, but uh, to be honest, looking forward to my future now, it was the better thing to happen. If you get a gold medal, um, I don't know. I think I would have thought I was class, and I would have rested on my laurels. Um, you know, might have been cockier going into pro into the pro scene. 
you know, I was absolutely heartbroken when I got silver. Like I was inconsolable, like you'd swear all around me had died. And I think it took me days to stop crying. Like I was just constantly crying and upset. And I was so upset because I knew I had underperformed, that I had more in me. Um, and it irritated me that everyone around me was saying, well, your face was split open and you were exhausted and you had this and that. And they were all giving me, you know, kind of an escape ghost. So I never, I'll never forget that loss. It was worse than the first loss in Prague, but that was bad too. Um, and that fueled me now to perform. You know, my biggest thing now, whenever I spar or fight, is I have to perform. If I perform and I lose, I can't be upset. I have to get over it and just realise there's someone better than me. But if I lose because I didn't perform, I can't forgive myself. So it was a really good thing to happen, to go into the pro scene, you know, having that in my back pocket, knowing you remember what that felt like. Well, you better fucking show up here now or that's going to happen again. So I think it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, keep that, keep the fire burning, like you said. Yeah, exactly. Keep the fire lit and, you know, keep chasing. And did you find like everybody around you was kind of like you said, like, oh, your, your face was, your head like was cut open and that, but like everybody around you maybe felt like the, the silver medal was a great achievement, but in your, to you, it was a letdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's that moment where when things go wrong um, and, you, you know, they all wanted me to win, like they, definitely all my family and coaches and everyone wants me to win but when I didn't win they were like oh my god now let's look back and see like you know you had no chance going into that world championships like no one thought you had a you know I I wasn't you know considered at all as one of the top girls and oh look at what you've achieved and you know they all kind of jumped on that bandwagon and uh, whereas I didn't I, I thought I was going to be the world champion and um, you know, they they were giving me reasons why I did great, regardless, and it just it just didn't sit good with me at all. I was, I just didn't want to be around any of them. I was just just pissed off, really. Yeah. So then, like, look at the term pro. Did you? Were you expect like was the plan to sign with Bellator straight away, or was that just kind of the way things worked out? With you know, they they kid like decided they were going to start coming to Ireland a lot more, and that kind of just coincided, or. Um, well, from the World Championships, John started talking about Bellator and the European series, and he put in a massive amount of work into making that reality. So, you know, that was in talks from 2017 to happen. And, um, you know, he's told me that he was, you know, he, he's a list of us to bring to Bellator and that I was one of them to get signed. And, um, you know, he worked really, really hard to make that happen get us all the contracts you know he's done a, a lot to make you know Bellator realize you know what a massive fan base and that it's a profitable um you know, uh, opportunity to come and do this European series so from the world I knew kind of Bellator was where I was going to be heading it was just a matter of time for when you know John got that kind of signed off on um, in the meantime, I fought one more amateur fight. I had a pro debut lined up uh, on Celtic Gladiators and uh, I got a concussion a few weeks before 
and I had to pull out with the fight. Um, and that was great because then I made my debut on Bellator instead. Um, that was in 2018. I got the concussion and I fractured my elbow the same year. So that whole year I was out. Um, and then I made my debut in 2019, last September. Yeah. And how was that like to making pro debut three arena? Yeah, it was class. Like, you know, looking back now, like I'm delighted I didn't do that in Celtic Gladiators. That, you know, it was just it was just really cool. Like after being in the IMAFs and kind of being on that world stage, and then going from there to Celtic Gladiators, I think I would have been a bit disappointed. So it felt like you know I was up in the ranks after the IMAFs, and now that Bellator were really. Um, rewarding me for that medal and giving me that chance as, as a debut you know Kieran Clark was the same as me two of us debuted the same night and he did so many um, IMAF fights as well so it was like a reward for all our work um, I wasn't nervous because I watched uh, all my teammates compete in the three arena for three years up till then and every night I went to the three arena to Bama or to Bellator or to whatever was on. I remember thinking I'll be here someday. I, you know, I think I kind of visualized it every night. I went to watch them and then I wasn't as nervous when it turned around and it was me. That was the other side of the, the stands, you know. Yeah. It felt like, did, did you feel like you kind of nearly... It, it, like like it, but like that it was just like you'd lived it nearly already because you'd pictured it so much in your head. Like it was just exactly as you'd imagined it. Yeah, like I tried to imagine myself walking out and how nervous I'd be, and I think I I went through that lots of times in my head, and how I was going to deal with the nerves and um you know what I was going to say to myself and uh, I was I was more than prepared and I had an extensive amateur career. I took a full year out pretty much with injury. So I was definitely ready. You know, it was the right time. Yeah. And then, like, I know we were just talking at the start about it, like, to, to fight, like, your upcoming fight's going to be more likely behind closed doors. Do you think, like, experiencing even in the IMAF events, because obviously there isn't massive crowds at those events, like, do you think that experience will help in coming up in your next fight? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, you know, I don't know where the fight's going to be, but the IMAFs, it was like an indoor arena um, that was pretty much empty other than the last days when it, it got busier for the finals and stuff. And uh, like a cage uh, situated in the middle of an empty arena, you know, quite daunting, um, you know, with a lot of space around and then you're kind of centre stage. So... I'm, I'm imagining that's what the fight will feel like, that there's like just a random cage in an arena somewhere and there's no one around and you just like walk down and get up on the steps and into it. Um, so yeah, I kind of have in my head that it's going to be just like IMAX. Yeah, it's like that. It's, it's, I suppose it's good to have that experience that, you know, it's not, a, it's not something that you have like all your fights have been in front of crowds, big crowds or anything like that. It's like you've you had fights where it's been quite enough and it's just in a cage, you and your opponent. So that should help in this next fight. That's definitely like, you feel a little bit more nerve-wracking sometimes when you're away from the crowd. Um, I fought on an English show twice and uh, the crowd were right on top of the cage and there's something really like warm 
feeling about having people close to you. Whereas in the three arena, like they're back away from you. Um, and the IMAFs, they were way further back. So, yeah, I think being kind of in the in the open is, I don't know, you feel a bit more vulnerable or something than when you have people on top of the cage. Yeah. It's a bit strange. <laughs> and so then, like, are you still working as a as a physio now, with balancing working with uh, with training, or are you a full-time fighter? Uh, so this time last year, I went from full-time down to half-time physio, um, and I got a new job. Uh, in St. Michael's house doing that for a year and then I actually handed in my notice um, a couple of weeks ago so I just have one more day left of work and then I'm, I'm done with you um, I guess to the rest of my fight career is over um, our gym in Mullingar took off after Covid it got really really busy so um, I have the opportunity now to focus on the gym and fighting and um, that's kind of all all come together and I, I've got a sponsor coming on board as well from the UK and um, so I'm kind of signing off on that this week so all them things came together uh, in a row and then I had you know this fight planned as well so I just ended up handing in my notice um, you know just just gone so uh, that's it for me as a physio for now yeah exciting times I suppose <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Like, don't get me wrong. I've been thinking about, you know, retiring or retiring, resigning, you know, for years. Like, even when I was doing it full time, I was always like to and fro and just not having enough energy, like to do everything. And, um, you know, I was going into work with black eyes and stuff. And there's just a lot to it. Like, you know, you get paranoid and, um, you know, you're in training and you're thinking about something you forgot to do at work. And, um, it was always going to be like I I was never going to keep up the whole way along I don't think I would be giving my all to fight and if I did that so it was just I needed the final you know nudge to actually do it you know give up the pensionable job <laughs> yeah I suppose that's the challenge like isn't it you see there, there is some perks to uh, to, the, to, the, to the other job <laughs> I worked for the public system, so definitely like um, you know the pension and the permanent status. Like you know, it's easier like get loans from banks and whatever and different things. You know, it's it's a bit different when you're you're a business owner and then been working for the the government. But look, if you don't jump, you know, you don't know how high you're going to go. So you got to go for it. Yeah. So then, what 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 was a what does a, a training schedule like? So for an upcoming fight, what would it, what would your training schedule look like? like in terms of like strength and conditioning sessions to maybe cardio sessions to MMA sessions. Yeah, well, it's pretty much the same. Uh, like I like routine, so I might change it like every few weeks, minorly, but generally it's the same. So my week starts on Sundays. Um, like day one I call it like um, Sunday morning I do boxing here in Mullingar with um, a boxing coach they uh, own gym called Olympic Boxing they've got like so many bloody Irish champion boxers and I think they're they're number one for the juniors at the moment they have the most medals um, for Irish amateur boxers uh, under age level 
So I do pods with uh, David Joyce from that gym. And then after I drill with Alan or do kick with him and stuff, because that's obviously just boxing, whereas Alan does, does Muay Thai and kickboxing with me. Then um, Sunday afternoon, I do strength conditioning at home. And then I go for a run. And then Mondays, I'm in SPG. Um, we do like um, five fives where we do like jits with hits and wrestling. Um, and then in the evening, I'll do some sort of uh, cardio um, set out by Sean Canaan. He's um, from Health Matters in City West. So he does my VO2 and sets out my cardio program. So that's Monday um, sorted. Then Tuesday, I do strength conditioning in the sports clinic in Santry. They've looked after me since I fractured my elbow. Um, so I've got a, a really good coach there called Tommy. And then he does a session with me once a week there. Then I go straight to SBG. I do positional wrestling, come home, usually have Tuesday evening off or do do some sort of cardio that Sean set out for me. Wednesdays I spar MMA um, and Wednesday afternoon off. Thursdays I'll either stay in Mullingar and pads with Alan or I'll go up to SBG and do the same as the Monday class. So like the Jitsu hits, then uh, my my cardio program in the afternoon again, um, and then Fridays is either Mullingar or Dublin. So Thursdays and Fridays are kind of the days based on how tired I am, whether I go to Dublin or whether I stay in Mullingar. Um, and then if I'm in Dublin, we're doing grappling, and if I'm in Mullingar, we're doing striking. And then Saturdays off, so um, I do do doubles maybe four times a week. But when I was starting out, I used to do classes every night as well as the, the pro sessions. But um, I, I just wasn't improving. Uh, I was, it, it didn't work for me. You know, I was, I was broke down um, getting wrestled during the day and then trying to learn stuff in the evening. It just didn't work. So I, you know, in the last 12 months, I really adapted this go hard in the morning mentality, be done by like clock latest and then depending on your energy levels or how your body's recovered from that hard morning session is what I do in the afternoon then um, and I don't put myself under huge pressure for that afternoon it just means I think fire better um, the next day you know yeah you seem to have a lot of people as well on board like a, a good team around you that kind of takes care of all your different bits and pieces yeah definitely like you know, I'm, I'm quite controlling and I like to um, drive my own ship and I kind of like, you know, pull people aboard behind me and, and tell them what I want and what they're doing for me. Um, so, yeah, like I've kind of gathered people up along the way and um, if you were on the same mindset as me and I thought you were really going to help me, uh, definitely, you know, I, I want you on my team, but now I've got uh, Alan doing my striking. I've got John doing all my grappling. Um, Dave Roach in SPG. Then he's like, um, you know, second in line to John. So he, he's been a massive help as well. He's kind of new enough to come on the scene, um, but but he's you know definitely one of my coaches. And then the boxing coach. Apart from that, uh, there's no one else that I, that, that teaches me martial arts, only them them core people. 
And then it was getting a cardio coach and strength conditioning coach. But because I'm a physio, I was quite picky at who was going to do my strength conditioning um, and that I wanted to go to Santry because it's physio-led and then the strength coach, you know, always works um, side by side with the physio on what I'm doing. And that's definitely given going to give me more longevity in my career um, by doing the strength conditioning that way rather than kind of balls to the wall. We concentrate a lot more on what's weak and what's injured and let's make sure that's ready to go for tomorrow's session. Yeah. I suppose I can sometimes be forgotten about that, like the, the strength and condition aspect, I suppose, is kind of more supplemental nearly to the rest of your training. Like it's not, it, it, your harder session shouldn't be in the, like lifting. It should be when you're in the gym doing martial arts. 100%. I think that's the biggest, um, the biggest mistake. So I feel like there's two opinions on strength and conditioning. One is that people don't do it at all. They're like, oh, I don't need to lift weights. I can submit people. I I don't do strength conditioning. I just do more time on the mats. And then the other opinion is, oh, I can do more strength conditioning than anybody. I'm so strong. I'm so fit or whatever. You know, I'm going to go balls to the wall. So I think both opinions are wrong. I think it's been proven time and time again how you don't get injured um, apart from sleep and nutrition is strength so um like literally there's thousands of studies how do you not get injured you do strength training there's no other answer so if you don't do strength training um you're being very silly in my opinion from a physio point of view you're not reinforcing all them structures that are getting absolutely battered day in day out and then the other side is yeah you're as you said your strength conditioning session there's no point that being your like 100% 100% session of the week it should be your MMA spar and then that should be just complementary to that yeah as like you said like I think like, even with strength and condition that even if I suppose you want to argue it doesn't add like necessarily add a performance benefit but if it means like you said you're let you're injured less then that means you can train harder in your in your MMA sessions which means there's the performance benefit so like it's like a, you might even have an indirect performance benefit as such you know Exactly, 100%. And because I think sports-specific strength conditioning, you need to go a lot easier. And, you know, like you're not lifting near your 100% capacity or your 100% reps, um, but you're just gradually building on to that, your whole system that you're going to be that bit more resilient to uh, the, the hardship it gets, you know. But look, everyone has their own opinion on it. Um, you know everyone has their own ways that work for them and you know lots of people run every day and they do do different things and swimming and all sorts so you know once whatever you're doing is working for you you're performing and you're not getting injured then you know maybe that's what works for you i don't know but this is this is the system that's working for me at the moment and then would you have a nutritionist that, that helps you as well or do you look after your own nutrition uh, my brother is a dietitian, so that was handy. Um, and I don't have to pay for him, which is great. <laughs> I think that's kind of a running joke in the family, you know. He's also my manager at the moment, um, my pro um, manager. And uh, he laughs at that too, that he doesn't get any commission. He just gets all the hardship. 
So um, he's taught me over the years loads. And uh, my weight cuts now are, you know, 70%. I already know exactly what I'm doing. And then 30%, um, I have to WhatsApp him every morning and give me give him uh, an update. And then he, you know, gives me advice based on where we're at. So, um, you know, I, I pretty much learned it all off by heart by now. But if I don't WhatsApp them, um, then I'm not accountable. So that's the biggest thing that helps me anyway, you know, to be able to tell them, oh, I'm still having lost weight and it's like seven days or whatever. If you're not yeah. telling somebody that, you're kind of cutting yourself, you know. Yeah. And then would you, would you cut much weight or does it tend to be, you know, you make weight mostly through diet? Uh, so I used to cut loads of weight where before I was pro. Um, I used to be able to cut loads of weight and, you know, wasn't great at dieting. And um, then I passed out in for a Muay Thai fight. I was cutting weight for a Muay Thai fight. I left way, way too much to cut. And I got up really quickly from a wrap in the bed and proper passed out. And, you know, really thought like I, I was going to have to, go to the hospital like so that gave us a massive fright and um my fiance was with me and my brother heard about it and they were all pissed off at me and I ended up fighting anyway the next day and, and they all get out to me so from that day on we've worked really hard on keeping me lighter um all the way around and still like my brother wants me walking under 130 pounds um always and I haven't been able to achieve that yet but coming up to a camp we do 12 weeks and uh, losing one week and I've I haven't had to sweat more than three pounds for my last two pro fights so that's a big turnaround I was doing like eight pounds uh before that um, so eight pounds like the morning of the way the way in. So now we do like I think I did one and a half pounds for my first pro fight was all I had to sweat, and then I did three pounds for the last one. So um, you know that that's been working really good. The hard part is definitely after the fight trying to keep under one thirty. I find that hard, like especially COVID. I got quite chubby over COVID. I think everybody did. <laughs> I know and. No, because everyone, like I'm always saying, oh, if only I wasn't working, sure, I'd be in such good shape. And then, sure, we weren't working. We were on laptops at home mm-hmm. and I wasn't in such good shape. So it's, it's, it's bullshit. Like, you know, you're stuck at home and you're saying, oh, if I was home all the time, I could train and do this and cook my food properly. And yeah, but we were all home and we all gained weight. So. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose there's always, but there's always the 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 excuse, really, isn't there? I suppose like there's if there's always the if only, but you know, it's. I think the about it was knowing you weren't going to have to make weight for anything. You know that was yeah, the yeah, that was it. Like yeah, there was just you, you didn't know when the next time competition was going to happen, so it's hard to be keep that focus. Yeah, definitely, but look. As my career progresses, I really have, that's something that I really want to work on. Uh, this last couple of weeks, I've noticed like the amount of people that got opportunities for big fights uh, that could just cut the weight within 10 days. 
you know, the, I, I'm not in a position to be able to do that right now. I want to be in that position that if I got the call for like a big fight, someone pulled out that I could step in. And if you're heavy, you don't get them opportunities. Yeah. I suppose like 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 a like Masvidal there got the call. <laughs> exactly, you know, like, and he wasn't in bad shape. But again, if he had the mindset of like, I'm going to be always ready, matter what, um, you know, it might have been a, a bit easier for him. Like, but I, I, I'm the exact same. I, you know, I let myself get heavy, so that's something I really want to nail um, from after this fight. <laughs> really, really try. And then, like, when it comes to sweating the last bit, like, how would you, would you tend to use bath and wraps or is it sauna or what would you tend to... Yeah, bath and wraps. I um, don't do good in the sauna. I get very faint and it's dry heat for me. I, I just doesn't go good with me. So I do the bath 30 minutes Um not really like ridiculous or anything just hot but not burning your skin or anything and then straight out of the bath and wrap up and get in the bed I do 45 minutes in the bed um, and then that usually does about a pound and a half for me and then if I have to do it again I might have to stay in the bed for like an hour and 15 minutes the next time to do the same kind of uh, pound and a half so it's just kind of rinse and repeat that's what works for me. Um, I know some of the bigger guys, they can do half an hour in the bath and they can lose three pounds just in the bath and get in the wrap and they lose another four. But uh, I'm a bit smaller. So, um, you know, that's that's the way I, I do it. And um, I guess two things or three things that I do to make sure I don't pass out or get lightheaded as I always have, um, like Harry Bow nearby so that I, I don't, I get it can get like a sugar rush before I have to move if I get lightheaded. Um when you're lying in the wrap, it's important that when you sit up you give yourself a few minutes sitting up to let the blood kind of circulate before you stand up. Then if you stand up straight from lying down, you're more likely to faint as well. So I don't know is this good advice to be given people, but I think you should always have someone that knows what they're doing with you. Have like an electrolyte drink or a sugary drink where you can take a mouthful if you need to or hurry but and um just be careful like changing levels lying down and standing up and stuff but you know the best advice is don't have more than three pounds to lose really you know stay within your limits yeah and um yeah i suppose actually before we finish up uh i tend to ask everybody uh if you had to pick uh, a favorite fighter um who would you pick doesn't have to maybe MMA it could be a boxer it could be a, but if you had to pick a favourite fight or somebody you, you like to watch the most who would you pick oh god um, I guess there's lots of striking fighters that I like watching that knock people out but I have to say like my favourite fighter is definitely Khabib um, you know the wrestling is just next level and I, you know, I'm never bored during his fights. I, I just love what he does and the way he does it. So, you know, it has to be Khabib. Like, it's it's my style. So, you know, yeah, it's cool watching guys knock people out, but I've never knocked anyone out in my life. So, um, whereas I think I can do a lot of what Khabib does. So, um, yeah, I, I really, really look up to Khabib and uh, the way he wrestles is just so exciting. I, I, I love it. 
Will you be allowed back in SVG now with that pick? <laughs> Probably not. But you know, the funny thing is um, that John will often teach us lots of moves that Khabib does, and. Uh, yeah. I don't know why people probably think that doesn't happen, but like uh, yeah. I'm sure in, in AKA they talk about what Connor does too. And um, so, you know, if you are learning what your rival's doing and learning it yourself, then uh, you know, you're going to get on better. So we, we've spent many hours on the mat studying Khabib's wrestling and, and, and taking it on. Yeah. I suppose if it works, it works, you know, it's a, uh, that's the way. Yeah, that's it. Like it's not like you're not gonna throw a left hand if you're a southpaw because you don't like Conor McGregor. Like, do you know? It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I think we'll leave it there. Um, I've really enjoyed the chat. Um, thanks a minute for coming on. Um, thanks for was, having me. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I suppose all the best with uh with the rest of your career going forward. And um, you seem driven, very. Um, so I expect you to. I'm, I think you you you'll do really well, and I'm. Going to be look at the follow along and, and watch your fights. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. Um, and thanks for giving me the opportunity. I, this is brilliant. You know, it's good to be able to talk and articulate yourself. I think it gets easier every one of these you do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I found myself uh, when I first started. It was a uh, quite nerve wracking, but I, I'm kind of in the swing of it myself. So. Uh, yeah, rare play to you. Just keep keep going. Looking at the way uh, MMA is growing now, you never know. Um, you could really take off. Hopefully, hopefully we we, we might get the, the the Joe Rogan the, the Joe Rogan check. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a competition. He'll get the Joe Rogan first. <laughs> I think you'll win. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, take care and all the best. Challenge. <laughs> so, so take care. We'll see you. Perfect. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye.